Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Boy, good to see each of you. I want to say thank you and good morning to our online audience. Man, we love you guys. You're another church. You're, 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 our, you're, you're with us. You're the church, man, and we love you. You're part of us. And so we say good morning to you as well. Man, I just... Man, God is good. I mean, we've been singing that, and I was just thinking, God is so good. Do you realize how much God is doing? God is doing some marvelous works right now. Sometimes we get in a little bubbles, and, we, and God's not moving in our bubbles. We don't think he's moving, but I'm telling you, God's doing a great work, not just in our church, but, but in our nation. He's moving. We just don't see it sometimes, but he's moving I mean, speaking of the church, man, God is good. He's blessing us. If, if you haven't seen a Wednesday night up here, it looks like Sunday morning. I mean, we are packed. In preschool, children, pre- preteen, and youth, I mean, we're full. Man, full. And like tomorrow night, we have over 90 men coming, over 90 women coming. Uh, Tuesday night, taking 60 couples to the marriage retreat. And you can see the house today. God's doing a marvelous work. And so God is good. And I pray you get in on his goodness. He is a good God, a good God. So here's, here's what I want you to do today. So many of you have flown Southwest Airlines, okay? But we're gonna take a little trip today. And I need you to have your imaginary seat belts that are on your chair. You don't know they're there, but they're there, all right? And I need you to take those imaginary seat belts and I need you to click them. Just click them, all right? I can promise you there might be a little bit turbulence on this flight, and it's a good thing. It's a 30-minute flight, so because of that, we will not do our routine of beverages and snacks, all right? But I can promise you, if you keep that seatbelt on and you trust the pilot, come on, he's gonna take us from bondage to freedom, from death to life from losing to victory, and I'm up for that flight. You see, we're looking at a series on pruning and blooming, and the most important part of that is that God is the gardener. He's the pilot. He's the father, and I'm going to ask you today to trust him. This word is not easy today, but I want you to trust him, trusting. So we're gonna look this morning in this series. We looked at Galatians 5, and there's, there's fruits in the spirit that we want to put on our tree. We want on our tree goodness and love and gentleness and kindness and all that. But there is some bad fruit that is before 22 and 23 in Galatians 5. And we are going to look today how we produce that kind of that kind of fruit, that fruit is bad fruit. It takes away from our tree. We want the good fruit. We live in a world today who needs 
desperately to see believers' trees just full of the fruit of the Father. Because we've got a world starving, man, starving. And what they're really looking for, they don't know how to order, but what they really wanna order is a big old bowl of Jesus, man. They need the full meal deal of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of the Bible. And they're looking for believers in this world that stand out. Their trees look different. And we want them to be able to come to our tree and eat from it. And they say, man, how in the world did you get that kind of fruit in your tree? Well, it's all about the source. And his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because he can take your marriage and your family and your kids and produce that kind of fruit too. And so here's the deal. There's an enemy that's working hard against that tree. And the title of the message today is simply this, the works of the flesh. You see, the flesh is what's working against our fruit. The flesh is what's trying to kill the fruit. It's trying to kill our tree. It's trying to take away from all that God wants to show off. See, everything in our lives is for the glory of the Father. If we can produce bad fruit, fruits of the flesh, then what they see is that and not the fruits of Jesus. And what satisfies and fills them and gives them hope is Jesus. And the flesh is always worn against us, man. It's always worn against us. I don't have to tell you as my church, even the church online, the battle every day is against the flesh, man. Just against the flesh. And we're gonna look at that today. So keep the seatbelts on. Make sure I hear clicks. Stewardess love clicks. All right? Oh, I love it. See, I'm getting some clicks, all right? Go to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs. Look at verse... Proverbs 24, look at verse 30. We're gonna be out of John 15 for a little bit, just one day, just one Sunday. We'll back in after that, but I gotta look at the works of the flesh because they're what's in competition to the tree, to being all that God wants us to be, okay? Look at Proverbs 20, 24, look at verse 30. 24, 30. I went past the field of a slugger, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment, Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. A little sleep and a little slumber. I want you to personally commit right now, right where you're at, with that seatbelt popped, personally commit to verse 32. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to apply your heart to what God wants you to see. And I want him to teach you a lesson and teach you about what he, want, what he wants you to see. I don't want you to worry about the person next to you or the person that should be here. Can I tell you who God wants here is here. He's got us right where he wants us. This word is for the church. It's not a popular word for the church. It's not a cushy little warm, filly, petted kind of word. 
all right? Because we live in a day and time where churches wanna do the seeker-friendly stuff. And we're gonna talk about sin today. Because if we don't talk about sin, then sin runs rapid. And sin takes away from our light. And what he's called the church to be in a day like this in darkness is the light. And the brighter the light, mm, come on, the more Jesus is exposed and the more the darkness runs. And people in the darkness gotta have a place to go and that's to the light. And we want our tree full of fruit, full of life-giving life so people can run to. So when you go to Galatians chapter five, Galatians five, I hope you like your Bible. You're gonna be all over it today. So lick your fingers and keep them licked, all right? Galatians chapter five, Look at verse uh, 16, Galatians 5, 16. So I live by the Spirit, and, I, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. Mm. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. I want you to hear it out of the New King James. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are, these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things you wish, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. The works of the flesh are obvious. The works of the flesh are evident, meaning the works of the flesh will be seen. They'll be recognized just like good fruit is recognized. The works of the flesh will also be recognized. The works of the flesh take away from what God is doing in our lives. Don't you wish that every time you got in the flesh, it didn't distinguish or take away from all the fruit that God has got going on in your life? It's like I do one thing, and everybody sees that, and they don't see my tree, a bountiful harvest. But that's how the works of the flesh work, man. They manifest themselves as well. So in this text, Paul uses a word, a Greek word, ergos. It means works, signifies some kind of action or a deed or an activity, things produced by someone's effort or life, a result of his hard work. You may call it this, your personal occupation. All of us in here have a personal occupation, all right? There's something that you work with. You work with your hands for a result. If you are a dentist, you work with your hands for what? A result. If you are a gardener or if you're landscape or a painter or an electrician or a plumber or a doctor or a nurse, there's a result that's produced by your work. Just like that, so is the flesh. The flesh is trying to do that. It's working hard because Paul connects these words to flesh. He's telling us something very important. Just as a person has a career or a profession or works to achieve results, the flesh, if it is allowed to go on its own and do what it wants, it will work very, very hard to produce fleshly results. 
That's what the flesh does. The flesh has a job. It's working every day to produce what? Results. What are the results he wants? The results that do not honor God and take away from everything that you're doing that honors God. It wants to draw attention to itself. It wants to get you in a spot where the spotlight's on you and not on Jesus. The flesh is crying out for that. The word flesh used in Galatians 5:19 is a Greek word. It depicts sinful impulse, impulses and carnal cravings. It will eventually manifest those evil desires. The flesh will go to work. Please understand me. I love you. Church, listen. The flesh is trying to take you out every single day. If you're sitting in here and you go, I've got no problem with the flesh, <laughs> you might need to have a problem with the fact you may not know Jesus, all right? You might be on the wrong team and just don't know it, all right? Listen to me. If you're not being, if, you, you, if the flesh is running rapid in your life, all right, if it's just out of control, you're, the, listen to me, the enemy is loving that. And he's not gonna try to stop it. Jesus says, listen to me, you've got to take the flesh and put it under control. You've gotta control the flesh. And the only way to control the flesh is to die to self, die to the flesh. And we'll look at it. When the flesh is not surrendered to the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, it will work around the clock, 24 hours a day, to produce fruit that is hurtful, damaging, and even deadly. It is the occupation of the flesh. It is what the flesh does. The flesh is trying to hurt you, damage you, and kill you. He says in John 10, 10, he makes no doubt about it. I am trying to kill you. I'm trying to steal you. I'm trying to destroy you. That's what he's trying to do. That's what the flesh's job is to do. It's trying to take us out, every one of us. The flesh never, ever rests. You go to work every day to achieve a result or produce a result, the flesh every day goes to work to produce a result in your life. Every time. When you go to Ephesians chapter two, if you're in uh, Galatians, you gotta go over just a little bit. GE Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You'll always remember it the rest of your life. I used to teach students like that, all right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians two, eight and nine. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man may boast. No one may boast. It is a gift from God. Listen to me. You have been justified. Justice was served when Jesus took your place. You, he did for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. He took our spot on Calvary. He said, let me take this on me. Nail me to the cross. I'm dying on their behalf. I justify, I take the justice on me. They don't have to go to court. Justice doesn't have to be served on them. I got this one. This is on me. We've been justified by Jesus. 
all of us in the room, Jesus paid it all. All to Jesus, man. He paid it all to us. He, he gave it all for us, all right? The amazing grace of God set us free. And what the Lord set free is free indeed, amen. But every one of us in the room who have been born again, we've been justified, yes, but we're being sanctified every day. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. Sanctified meaning made like Jesus every single day. He is by the power of the Holy Spirit taking us every single day and trying to make us like him. And it's an absolute war sometimes. It's a fight sometimes. Man, listen to me. The, the enemy is trying to take us out and Jesus is more for us than anything in the world. He is fighting for us. We, we, we are born again. We have repented of our sins. We've been born again. We've been justified. Justice was served. We are justified by Jesus. But the sanctifying act of the power of the Holy Spirit is a daily thing that happens in our life. It's where he's trying to make us more like him. I mean, I was having breakfast one time with a guy. He said, I have never, ever repented. <laughs> I was like, can I have a different booth? <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, I said, I put him back and I said, what you're trying to tell me is you've never repented. Have you, have you sinned? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, help. I am not worthy <laughs> to be here. <laughs> and, I was, and I said, are you saved? Has there been a time in your life that you've been born again? He said, oh, I grew up in church. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm about to blow up. Dude, you're like a ball of yarn. You need a cat to unravel you, man. I'm telling you, you're so messed up in the head. I mean, you got a you got bunch of religious words and a bunch of jargon that comes from the church and you've got them all mixed up in your head and you're so cloudy, you're like, it's foggy. You don't have any clarity in your life at all. You think going to church makes you saved? You've never repented? I don't even know if you're born again. He is so confused. I mean, we didn't go into all that at one breakfast. That was just how I was praying for him as the next time we got together. But listen to me. Some of us are like that, man. We're just like a ball of yarn. We need a cat to unravel us because we're so messed up with these religious doctrinal terms. Man, we, religion will mess you up. And Jesus said, I, I'm not about religion and I'm not about the jargon of religion. I'm about a relationship with Jesus. And he'll send clarity in your life. He justifies us by the death on the cross. He is sanctifying us every single day to make us more like him. That's what it's all about. Because if you finish John chapter 15, you see why our tree needs to show off our fruit for the glory of him. That's the only reason. We do all of it for the glory of him. I want you to go over to 1 John. Go to 1 John. Don't go to John. Go to 1 John. Head over towards Revelation, Okay. First John, look at verse, let's just do one, start in verse one. How great is the love of the Father. He has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, but what we will be has not yet been made known. 
But we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That is salvation right there. Verse four, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, in him is no sin. No one, verse six, no one who lives in him, in him, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or knows him. You see what that says? If you are in him, you cannot continue to live in sin. If you can live and swim in continual, habitual sin without ever being convicted of your sin and your lifestyle, you probably are not saved. You're not born again. You may be religious, you, you may have done some religious activities, but you have no relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus says, if he is in me, he can't be swimming in sin. Yeah, you can sin, and the Holy Spirit says, you sinned. You say, I agree with what you said that I did. I repent of that, ask your blood and your forgiveness to cleanse me, and turn me and, and, and towards you. Listen to me, we've all sinned even after salvation. We try not to, but we do, okay? But this is not that. This is a person who habitually lives a lifestyle of sin but professes they've been born again. I'm telling you, that's not, you're not saved. You're not saved. And the church needs to go ahead and unapologetic, unapologetically say it. Because we live in a world we just wanna hug everybody. Ain't nothing wrong with hugs. Hugs are good. But if a dude is living in sin, you hug him and then you introduce him with the one who can hug him from the inside out. His name is Jesus and he'll change your life. But you just don't hug him and go, it's okay, it'll be better tomorrow. It's probably not gonna be better tomorrow because they're gonna be swimming in the same sin that they're swimming in a day. Give him a boat and introduce him to the one who walks on water and get him out of that. I'm telling you, man, this warm, fuzzy, hug everybody church, seeker-friendly stuff ain't doing nobody no good. In this world today, there's either a good tree or a bad tree. And what the world needs to see is a bunch of good trees tapped into Jesus who makes good fruit because you got a world that's looking for good fruit. And on a good tree is not a fruit of lies. And on an evil tree, a bad tree is a whole bunch of fruit of lies. And lies and doing nobody no good. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. The word manifest is a Greek word, planeros. It means to appear, to manifest, to become visible, to become apparent, to become seen, to be known. If you and I let flesh have its way, it will jump at the chance to manifest it's evil desires and carnal cravings. It is working to lead you there right now. That's what the flesh does. It's what it does. Listen to me. The flesh has no PTO. It has no personal time off. 
When you go on vacation, you're like, oh, baby, we're on vacation. Look at the beach. Well, you can go on vacation from your work and from your family or kids or whatever, but you are not gonna get a vacation from flesh. It takes no PTO. The same flesh is chasing you down in Bush in America, chase you down the Bahamas. Probably even more, all right? I'm telling you, the flesh doesn't take a day off. 24-7, seven days a week, 365 a year, it's chasing you down. What's it doing? It's trying to kill you, man. It's trying to take you out. It's trying to make your life dead so you don't produce any fruit in your life. The flesh is absolutely working against everything God is doing in your life every day. That's what it does. So I want you to go to Romans. More scripture. Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Look down at 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who died has been freed from sin. Look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who are being brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him with, to be instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Listen to me, that's a hard word, but that's the gospel, man. That is, we all, every single day, fight against the flesh. The flesh is a hard, hard thing to whoop, all right? Sin, we've been freed from sin. Jesus gave us the power through the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us to live a life not of sin. I want you to write this down, if you write nothing else down. Sin will take you further than you wanna go and it'll keep you longer than you wanna stay. Sin, sin, man, will take you further than you wanna go, and it'll keep you longer than you wanna stay. All of us struggle with trying to conquer the sin of the flesh. The flesh is absolutely in competition with the Spirit of God. He's trying to do everything he can to squash the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. Every day you get up, the, the, the flesh wants to run rapid. For some of us, it's our minds. Our minds want to run rapid. For some of us, it's our tongue. Our tongue wants to run rapid. We can't control it. We say what we don't want to say. We try not to, but we do say it, all right? Listen to me. I fight it too. Some days, man, I just want to take off my pastor hat mm, and put on Jeff hat. But I'm like, Ugh, I can't do that. Mm, I can't do that. I gotta take that hat off. I gotta put this hat back on. Amen? Sometimes people come to my office to visit with me. They're on church property, and I'm like, mm, God loves you. Mm, 
Now I bite my tongue. God loves you. Can I introduce some other churches to you? But, but I mean, they just, but they just do, man. They just do. I mean, the flesh just comes up. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. You're a man of the cloth. You shouldn't talk like that. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna tell you, I'm a human. Pinch me, I'll scream. The flesh goes after us, okay? The flesh goes after us. You're like, every time I go to the store, they're in the store. Mm-hmm. They're in there. Dropped in there by God for such a time as this. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise his name. All right? I mean, that's the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, greater is me that's in you than me is in the world, that he is in the world. Listen to me. The flesh is trying to eat away all that God is producing in you. And if you take the bait and you don't bite your tongue and you say it or you react or your temper goes off or your rage goes off or your bitterness goes off or your anger goes off, I'm gonna tell you what happens. That gets all the attention and the tree of all this fruit that God's doing in your life, they don't even see it. All you do is give them leverage. The flesh says, don't forgive them. Don't forgive them, man. Hold on to it. Just beat them up with it. Keep it from them. Punish them. Drive it home. Twist that knife. Make it hurt. Make them don't forget it. And Jesus said, oh, where much is forgiven, much is required. I have forgiven you. You must forgive them. It's hard. The flesh has to be crucified, man. Because if the flesh is not crucified, guess what the flesh does? It's alive. And a flesh that's alive will destroy your life. When a little baby is born into the world, he looks so pure, he looks so innocent, he's so clean, he smells so fresh, well, let me say this. Not right away don't you want to go smell that baby. Give it a couple of hours to get cleaned up and powdered up a little bit. Then he smells so fresh, amen? A baby smells so fresh, so clean. They're so pure. They're so innocent, like fresh snow. They're beautiful. But if that child, that same baby, is abandoned, left to itself, it will become a mess. Because a tree left to itself will become a mess. They will end up in crime. They will end up in scandals. They will end up in alcoholism. They will end up in drugs. They will end up being bitter, hard-hearted, filled with malice and strife. Why? Because these are the fruits that the flesh will produce. That is what the flesh is after. It wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. But Jesus said, take hope in this, but I have come, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I will make in your life abundant fruit. The enemy wants to kill your fruit, but I wanna give you abundant fruit. Jesus said, this is important because the flesh doesn't take a day off, man. It doesn't. This is why it's so important for us to teach children to train them up in the way they should go because they, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Train up a child in this way and they will not depart from it. But for us as adults, we've got to train ourselves as well to mortify and to crucify the works of the flesh and to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you do not crucify 
I mean, and mortify the flesh every day. The flesh will live. And if the flesh lives, they, the flesh lives only to kill, steal, and destroy you. It's only pursuit is to absolutely create death and destruction in your life. It's what it wants to do. It wants to absolutely kill everything that God's doing in your life. It does not take a day off. That's why, parents, you gotta train your children up in church. You gotta train them up in the word. You gotta train them up chasing Jesus. As adults, man, we've gotta do the same thing. We've gotta train ourselves up in the church. We gotta train ourselves up in, 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 in the word. We've gotta train ourselves up in life groups. Why? So that we can rub against somebody else and we can disciple one another and we can make each other more like Christ. Pity the fool has no one, man. You gotta disciple, you gotta rub. If you're not involved in life groups, jump in, man. Go to the pill bar on Wednesday nights. Huge group. Tommy's got there. This is why it's important for your children. It's why it's important for us as adults. Go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse five. Those who live according to sinful nature have their minds set on what the natural desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on the spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by sinful nature cannot please God. Your mind's controlled by the Holy Spirit. Your mind's controlled. You're under the control. Go, by, go to Ephesians chapter uh, five. Go back to Ephesians chapter five. GE Power Company again, remember that. Right. Ephesians five, look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What you have to do is once you give your life to Christ and are born again, and you're, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of your salvation, you, it's the Holy Spirit is your deposit guaranteeing your inheritance in heaven. But my friend, listen to me. Every single day of your life, as you're being sanctified, let yourself be sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single day you get up, you say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit of God. Immerse me in the Holy Spirit of God so I can walk in your Holy Spirit, so I can keep in step with your Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not letting the Holy Spirit guide me and direct me and chart my course, guess what's guiding and charting my course and controlling me? The flesh. And the flesh will absolutely destroy everything around my life. It'll destroy me and everything else. It'll make me unproductive and ineffective for the kingdom of God. The flesh never sleeps, my friend, never sleeps. He said, Jeff, I'm born again, but I've never asked for the Holy Spirit's power to, to, to come inside of me. Then you need to ask for the Holy Spirit's power to come inside of you because it's the only way you're gonna conquer all this junk, man. There's a big difference between a person who is saved and a person who is spirit-filled. Just telling you. There just is. There just is. And if you want power in your life, then ask for the power. It's right there. You have it at salvation. 
You've gotta walk it out now. Walking out your salvation in fear and trembling. The power to walk this life that God calls us to walk is in the Holy Spirit. That's the power. It'll set you, it'll set you out. Are you allowing your flesh to dominate your attitude? And are you letting the flesh dominate your relationships? Are you giving in, are you giving way to carnal impulses? The bitterness and the anger and the flesh wants to produce inside of you. Are you jumping? I mean, are you flying off the handle? Are you in, I mean, are you the person who absolutely just attacks with your tongue? Then you need to surrender that tongue. I mean, you just fire off fast, poison. I mean, every time you open your mouth, you just come out, it's like a cobra, all curled up, man, and they just say one thing, it's like, boom. And she's your mouth, man, just comes. And your mouth and those words take away all the beauty that God has made you with and put in you. They can't even see all that God's doing in your life because all they see is that cobra strike of your words that come just like that. You need to say, God, I don't need a strike anymore like that. I need you to give me gentleness and self-control. And I don't want that junk to come out of my mouth anymore. I am bite my tongue, all right? Bite it. Even if you talk funny and they wonder why, you say, because my tongue gets me in trouble and while I talk to you, I'm biting it. That's just the truth. Some of us need to bite tongues. Need to bite our tongue, not bite tongues. <laughs> Marriage retreats next weekend. All right, so here's the deal. <laughs> now, Here's what I'm saying to you. You've got to bite your tongue sometimes because if you don't, it's going to run wild. Jesus said nobody can control the tongue except the maker of the tongue. So quit trying. You say, I want to do a better job of my tongue. No, you're not. You would have done that. You'd have done it 30 years ago. You'd have done that when your mom washed your mouth with lava soap. Boy, I'd take the hide off your tongue, all right? If you give in to these impulses, they will destroy your relationships. They absolutely will. They will make you hard-hearted and they will fill you with negative attitudes and steal you of your joy and your peace. Listen to me. Here's what's going on. If you're, if you're in a marriage relationship right now and both of you are born again, the enemy is trying to get each one of you to live daily in the flesh because if they, the enemy can get you daily in your marriage to live in the flesh, then you bow up in the flesh to her and you bow up in the flesh to him. And I mean, it happens. And then you start to attack each other. Why? Not because you're not in a covenant relationship, you're in love, you, you just adore these people. Yeah, God brought them into your life. They're beautiful. Your marriage is sanctified by God. You're in a covenant with God. God is for you and not against you. But when you're living in a marriage relationship and you're walking in the flesh, you're gonna attack each other because you're gonna see her as the enemy and you're gonna see him as the enemy. As gorgeous and beautiful and sweet as my wife is, and I know she's a gift from God in my life, if I walk in the flesh, I'll attack her. When we get together, we'll see each other as enemies. And I'll attack her because why? I wanna be right. And she'll attack me, why? Because she wants to be right. We gotta drop the pride of being right and come together as Jesus and honor him. Who gives a fat fart if you're right? You know what I mean? Seriously. You're not in school anymore. You're not getting any points. You're not gonna get a star by your name, all right? Why don't you drop all the pride and die to yourself and let Jesus raise you up 
and live in the spirit and honor God in your marriage because your marriage points to salvation because you're the bride of Christ. The way of the flesh is the hardest route for any individual to take. Yet the flesh cries out to be in charge. It's screaming at you every single day. It's screaming to have its own way. It's screaming, demanding to be the boss. Unless you take your flesh to the cross and you mortify it and you crucify it by the power of God, it will keep screaming until you surrender to it and allow it to produce its destructive results in your life. I'm telling you, church, the enemy is trying to take out the church individually and corporately because if you take out the church, oh my gosh, it's gonna be so dark you can't see. This is a day and time that God is raising up the church. We've gotta be trees that bear much fruit, man. And the flesh is absolutely working like a crazy bandit to take out you. It wants to kill all that fruit, man. Kill it all. Some of you have grown over the years so much, man, your trees were lavish with fruit and hanging. But over the last several months, man, you've bought into the lie of the enemy and you've chased after the flesh and your, fr- your tree's not looking near what it used to look like. He's stealing it, man. He's stealing it. Stealing it right under you. I'm asking you to die to yourself every day. I have to die every day. I want you to take it, I want to take you to Galatians chapter two. This is your personal funeral verse, and we'll end with this. It's not a pun, sorry. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Personal funeral verse every day. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live now, I live through him. Crucify me, crucify me. The flesh, Jesus, you know the area of flesh. You know where I'm weak. You know the flesh that gives me in trouble. Crucify that flesh. Raise me up in the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the spirit in that area. Because if I don't crucify it and I don't kill it and I just get up and go do life, that flesh gets up with me and it runs ahead of me and it absolutely destroys everything in my life. Most of what we encounter is flesh, is flesh self-inflicted. Crucifying personal funeral every day, every single day. I'm gonna ask you to stand, church. As the worship team makes their way back out, two camps today. There's people in here who know religious answers, who've been in church, who know stuff about God, know a bunch of religious terms, but if you were very honest with yourself, you know you've never been born again. Never. There's never been a day in your life that he brought you from being blind to giving you sight. You know there's nothing new about you. You're just the same guy trying hard. Why don't you die to the same old dude? 
and let Jesus raise you up to be a new dude. Then and only then will you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the power to produce the fruit you want. Otherwise, the flesh is gonna kill you and just whoop you like a dog. Also in here is a group of people that know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're born again. You know you've been saved, you know you've been scripturally baptized, but the flesh keeps winning and you're tired of it, man. There's areas of your life he's got you. I need you to Galatians 2.20 today and die. Just die. For some of us, we don't need to stand right where we are and promise that again because you did that before and it didn't work. Sometimes we need a visual act of walking to the front of a church to an altar where they sacrifice stuff and you nail it down right here. You take that flesh and you come up here and you say, God, I wanna die to flesh because it's killing my marriage. My wife is not the enemy. My husband's not the enemy. And I'm just, I, I gotta stop. My tongue gets me in trouble. I'm taking my tongue down here and I'm gonna nail it, nail it to the cross. I, at the altar, that's, I'm killing it. And you no longer live in the flesh. The works of the flesh are real. They don't wanna take a day off, man. They don't. They work every day. So if you're born of the Spirit of God and you're saved, I need you to crucify the flesh and ask God to fill you fresh with the Holy Spirit so you have power. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. God, whether we're online or in the house, it's a tough word, but it's a word that'll set you free. God, we buckled in our chairs to take a flight from bondage to freedom, from losing the victory from death to life. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit right now has spoken a word. God, we will respond to that word. God, for your glory right now, may you move your church to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you need to come, this is a safe house to come. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from The Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using The Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 